The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, February 5th, 2023, on the basis of 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. If you have ever traveled outside the United States or traveled around the world, then you know there's absolutely no way to hide that you are a foreigner. We dress a different way, we have different mannerisms, we have different manners, and depending on where you go, it is bound that you are going to look completely different as well. But you don't have to be a world traveler in order to know this. If you have even traveled outside of the Midwest or even Wisconsin, then you are bound to be recognized eventually. Whether it is the wearing of shorts and a t-shirt in 50 degree weather, whether it is the 45 minute goodbyes, or, the, or whoever you're talking to, making sure that they tell their folks that you says hi. There are a number of things that distinguish us as proud Midwesterners, proud Wisconsinites, and proud members of the Driftless region. It's something that we love to show. It's something that we do take pride in. There's a company, if, if you haven't heard about it, it's one of the most popular clothing companies in Mount Horeb right now. It's known as the Midwest Girl. It's a company that prints their, their company name on their shirts, and I'm really waiting for the counterpart, the Midwest Guy, to come out. Unfortunately, it hasn't yet. But it just goes to show that being a Midwesterner, living in this region of the country, is something that we are proud of, that we do like to show. It's, it's part of our identity. And yet, as I look around the room this morning, I see that we all know that there is a greater part of our identity, an identity that we know, our identity in Christ. But do we like to show it? It's really easy to show our identity as Midwesterners, but why is it so hard to live with our identity in Christ, to show our identity in Christ? Do we show our identity as children of God as much as we show our identity as Midwesterners, as members of the Driftless region? Well, we may all be proud to be members of the Driftless region of Wisconsin. This morning we're going to look at what it means to have our identity be set in Christ and why it brings us more pride than being a member of anything else will. Not only that, it's something that we can show. It's part of who we are. And though we live in the Driftless region of Wisconsin, we will see that we as believers are anything but Driftless. And we are not the first people to be proud in our identity. No, in fact, if we look back to our reading from Exodus this morning, we'll see another people who were just as proud in their identity, just as proud in their culture, if not more so proud, because their identity was given, them, given to them by God. God himself called them a chosen people. We read this morning uh, what Moses told the Israelites, what, what God said they could be. You will be my treasured possession. You will be for me a kingdom of priests 
and a holy nation. And it, it sounds very similar to the reading from First Peter, the basis for the sermon today. In fact, Peter basically quotes Exodus when he writes, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But there's one big difference between the two. And that's the added conditional that we see in Exodus. You will be if. In Exodus we heard, you will be these things if you obey me fully and keep my covenant. The Israelites would do absolutely everything they could to follow God's covenant. They would set up customs and laws. They would look to the priests and to sacrifices. They would celebrate holidays throughout the year that reminded them of their covenant with God. But if you know anything about the Old Testament, if you know anything about the history of Israel, it was that it wasn't God who was unfaithful to the Israelites. No, rather it was the Israelites who were unfaithful to and rebelled against God. You would think that they would figure it out. Looking through their history, seeing, oh, we failed over and over again. Keeping this covenant 100% just isn't possible but, possible, but even during Jesus' day, there was a group of people that thought that they could keep every single letter of the law. They were a group of people who were very proud of their identity as God's chosen people of living in God's promised land in Israel. They were a group of people known as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were a group that was proud to be called God's people. And yet, as we look at them, we'll see that even though they were doing everything they could to keep God's law and his covenant, that they were doing it for all the wrong reasons. They needed a new perspective. It was great that they were trying. It was great that they were doing everything they could to follow the law, but their hearts were not in the right place. Their identity showed itself in their actions. Their pride in their identity showed itself through what they did. Who they were showed. Do, do, do. You hear it from them throughout the New Testament, throughout from the Pharisees. Do not work on the Sabbath. Give 10% of all you owe. own. Do not eat unclean foods. The problem with all these actions, the problem with all these acts that they were doing was that it was all pointing, all these actions were not for other people, but for themselves. Their identity showed in their actions. Their identity, their actions showed who they really were. It's the same thing for us today, isn't it? Our actions, our words show who we really are. And it's not just something that we can see, but as we see from the Israelites and the Pharisees, it's something that everybody else can see as well. It's not just God who's looking down and seeing all this. It's the rest of the world. It's ourselves. It's your neighbor. It's your brother. It's your sister. Everybody can see this. And while the Israelites get a bad rap, and I think the Pharisees and the Israelites get a bad rap, deservedly so, I can't help but empathize with them. Because they were doing exactly what their culture required. They were following their culture to a T, a culture that was pointing to God 
It's just that their hearts weren't. Their hearts were pointing to themselves. Now, it's not the Pharisees or the Israelites' heart that I expect you to empathize with this morning. No, the reason you're all here is because you know that you're sinful and you know that you need a Savior. Now, our hearts, I think, tend to be in the right place more so than the Pharisees and the Israelites. We look for a Savior who kept every letter of the law. That's the Savior we look to. Our hearts tend to be in the right place. But like the Israelites, I think we do tend to have a pride more so in our culture and where we come from than in our identity as children of God. I mean, think about it. What do you show on the surface? What part of our identity do we like to show? Is it our identity as God's special possession? Or is it our identity as a modern American Midwestern driftless resident? More often than not, I think the part of our identity that shows is our identity as a driftless resident. So what do we do to show our identity? How can we bring to the surface our identity as children of God? I mean, how does a Packers fan do it, as we saw in the children's sermon this morning? A Packers fan shows that they are a Packers fan by talking about the Packers, by wearing Packers gear, even if it's in the heart of Chicago. If you're a Brewers fan, part of the way that you show your identity as a Brewers fan is by seeing, roll out the barrel during the seventh inning stretch at a Brewers game. As a Christian, we show our identity in our words and actions. A few examples of that might be, let's say you want to schedule a round of golf or go on a breakfast date with friends. As Christians, we probably would try to avoid scheduling that on Sunday morning. It's more than fine to hang out with people. In fact, it's encouraged to hang out and make friends with people who are not a part of the church, but as Christians, we probably wouldn't use the language that they use. It's fine to go to the Brewers game and roll out the barrel, but as Christians, we probably wouldn't drink the whole thing. When you think about it, how do we show our identity? Do we show our identity as X, Y, and Z? Or does our identity as God's special possession show itself? Why is that so? Why is it so hard to show our identity as children of God? I mean, think about it. Uh, living in the Driftless region, we're surrounded by Driftless culture. We go to different events. We show our pride as Midwesterners. But if you were to pack up and move to, let's say, Spain, and after a couple years being surrounded by Spanish culture, you start to speak Spanish, celebrate their holidays, eat their food, dress like them, would you still consider yourself a member or a resident or citizen of the Driftless region, or would you start to maybe identify yourself, show your identity more as a, as a citizen of Spain? It's not that our identity is no longer uh, with the Driftless. It's just that being surrounded by a different culture, you tend to hold on to things that you're surrounded by. That's what makes being a foreigner today as Christians living as foreigners, living outside the kingdom of heaven, living on this sinful earth, so difficult. We're surrounded by a culture that has fallen 
from holiness. We're surrounded by a sinful and fallen culture. It's easy to latch on to, to follow the culture of the world around us. But no matter what culture we live in, our true identity does not lie with what accent we speak or where we're from on this earth. No, uh, where does our true identity lie? Looking back this morning at the Israelites, their identity as God's chosen people would not come from anything that they did. No, what made the Israelites so important as God's chosen people was who would come from them. Peter's words are addressed not to the Israelites, not to God's chosen people that live within a very specific region of a very specific part of the country in Israel. No, Peter's words are addressed to God's chosen people who are made up of foreigners and exiles from every nation, from every part of the world. And they are God's chosen people because of God's chosen one. They are God's chosen people because of Jesus. It would not be through the Pharisees' heritage or the teachers of the law's efforts to keep the law that would make them God's chosen people. No, it would be God's chosen one who would keep the law for them. It would be God's chosen one, Jesus, who would keep the law, do everything for us in our place. There is no citizenship test that we have to pass to enter into the kingdom of God. There is no visa payment that we have to make because God, Jesus, has already fulfilled every requirement that is needed to enter into heaven. He has already paid the entire payment for our sins on the cross when he died there on that cross. Now, we now are already considered a part of God's chosen people, his holy nation, a part of the heavenly kingdom. And so Peter's words to us, the words that Peter spoke, are true. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. What are the benefits? Sure, there are tons of perks to living in this region. There's great hiking, great biking. We get all four seasons here. There's not hundreds of mosquitoes, at least I haven't noticed any Mount Horeb. That might be one of my favorite parts. There's good beer, great cheese, wonderful people. Yet all those perks of living here in Driftless, Wisconsin, absolutely pale with the perks that come with being God's chosen people. There's no earthly culture, there is no earthly government, no, nothing that we can do that would grant us what God grants us by choosing us to be his own. What comes along with being God's chosen people is that we are a people. As foreigners and exiles, we are made up of people from throughout the world, from every time. Wherever you go, you know that you are a part of a people. We have a community in Christ that surpasses any boundary or border. We have a community that is together, that forms out of Christ's love. Where two or three come together in Jesus' name, there he is with them. We can find community throughout the world 
because of Jesus' love. And Jesus' love is something that offers us more than any government, more than any earthly culture ever could. Jesus' love offers us mercy. As Peter wrote, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that mercy gives us a certainty, a certainty that we will not be foreigners and exiles here forever. We live in a driftless region among a driftless people, but that is not our eternal home. No, because of God's mercy, we have a forever home in heaven where we will live with Jesus and all believers eternally. It's because of God's mercy that we can say that we are a part of that kingdom now, even as we wander throughout the driftless region of Wisconsin, even though we wander among a driftless people, a driftless fallen people throughout the world. And the reason we can say that is because of what Jesus has done for us. And even though Jesus has done everything for us, there's nothing else needed for our salvation, he doesn't leave us with nothing to do. No, he gives us a purpose. Yes, we may live among a driftless people, but we are not driftless ourselves as believers. Peter tells us the drift, the purpose that God has given us. He says, what our purpose is. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There's nothing else that we need to do for our salvation. But there are lots of people out there that need to hear about the character and virtue of God who loves us so much that he did everything for us. We talked a lot about identity in the first part of the sermon. And part of showing our identity is through our words. We can tell others about Jesus. Those words don't go a very long way if you don't have the actions to go along with them. How do we show our identity as children of God? Through our words and through our actions. So Peter also writes, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's good to give people a reason to listen to us. Jesus kept the entire law for us. We no longer have to keep it, but that doesn't mean that we just throw the law away. No, because of what Jesus has done for us in keeping the entire law for us, by God's grace, we can do things that are pleasing in God's eyes by doing what he tells us to do. And those are things that are not just pleasing in God's eyes, but often pleasing and attractive to the world that we live in as well. We speak, but we give people a reason to listen because of our actions. We live as the light of the world. We may be living in this driftless region, and we may be foreigners and exiles for now. But while we live in this driftless region, we know that we are no longer driftless, living without direction or purpose. No, we have a very specific direction and purpose that God gives us. He tells us exactly what to do. He tells us who we are, and he tells us to do what comes naturally. You are God's special possession. You are God's chosen people. 
a holy nation. And we can live like it too. We live as a light to those who are living in darkness because Jesus is a light that already shined on us. Amen.